Who knows? I like, just don't. I just don't. Is get she it. the secret granddaughter? Is she really his cousin? What's going on here? Right. Her, uh, Jughead's cousin? Yeah. Soupead. <laughs> like, is she secretly Soupead? Like, these are these are my <laughs> theories at this point. Donna. Why Donna is so evil. Donna Soupead Sweet. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 24-year-old actor and drama instructor. I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And the worst party that I have ever been to is, first of all, I don't go to that many parties. Yes. I feel like I've definitely been to a worse party in um, college, <laughs> but the one that comes to mind was a birthday party that I went to in high school, but it was for one of the like cooler kids and it was very chill. So it wasn't like, wasn't like a kid's birthday party. Like I'm not calling out a kid <laughs> for like their terrible birthday party. Okay. But basically we all came over to like do whatever and then go like out by the fire or whatever. Yeah. And a classic high school party. They were like, let's, let's all watch a movie. Cause there was like maybe 10 or 15 of us there. Okay. We're all going to watch a movie. And so I don't have much of a say in anything because my taste in movies is completely different from everybody else's, especially yes. like his friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I had to sit through all of Step Brothers. Oh boy. Oh God. That's the least Robin movie I've ever thought like could ever picture. So yeah. I mean, there are other parties that I went to in, in college, like I said, like where there were like a bunch of drunk people that I didn't. So I obviously didn't enjoy that. Mm -hmm. But um, that's the first one that comes to mind. That's good. I like it. Yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 30 year old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And the worst party I went to, I was in high school and I was sober because like, I don't drink. Like, yeah, same. And it's like, it, it's not because like, I don't like drinking. I would like to enjoy drinking. It's just that the minute I have alcohol, I fall asleep. So I'm no fun. So I was sober and I think like one kid fell through the shower door door and <laughs> only two sober ones which was me and my other friend had to like fix this shower door and it was this really expensive house and it was just like a nightmare I called my mom and I was like I'm never going to one of these again can you please come get me Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was the worst party I ever went to. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 27-year-old marketing coordinator from sunny pre-apocalyptic Washington, D.C. I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. The worst party I ever went to was a Valentine's Day party for singles when I was in college. The only college party I ever went to. Mm -hmm. I did drink because I enjoy the occasional beverage. Naturally. There was a guy that I was talking talking to while I was there and I was like I had him hold my drink while I went to the bathroom and then he I came back out and he was like this got spilled while you were in the bathroom so it's just Jack now and I was like I don't want that but I did make out with him then saved his number in my phone as bad kisser don't answer <laughs> oh, no. and that's my wife <laughs> kiss at a college party which makes me feel fancy but I went to so few of them that I really don't deserve it. Okay. Like it was fun to have that like experience that night but that's it. That's all it was. Mm. I actually remembered my real worst party Oh, which was remember I said I was never going to another party again. I broke my rule in grade 12 I'm sure you know how this ends. I got into a car. Mm. Oh, <laughs> that is the worst party you ever <laughs> the went to. The car never got to the party. Yeah. So that's the worst party that I ever went to. And mm -hmm. uh, now I don't go to parties and I don't have a great memory. Yeah. And those things, they are connected. Yeah. <laughs> so well, speaking, 
Speaking of stories. Well, if we can tell, if we all get, if we get to tell more than one story. Oh, okay. Sure. We used to, like, you guys may remember, unless, no, never mind, I was telling this story on the Picard podcast. Gotcha. So that's different, but also listen but to also the Picard, listen to Picard podcast. podcast. Um, I talked about my first boyfriend, technically only boyfriend, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that whole thing. But after we had broken up, I had given myself, like, we had dated for two and a half months, so I gave myself two and a half months to get over it, and then after that, pick yourself back up, you dumb idiot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was coming on, like, almost two two months at that point, and it was Valentine's Day, so the fact that it's almost Valentine's Day right now, and we're both talking about Valentine's Day is kind of crazy. Either way. Yeah. Either way, I'm at this Valentine's Day party, my ex is here, and I was having, like, a heart-to-heart with uh, someone who was his friend and also my friend or whatever. We were just kind of talking. And then she mentioned that his cat died. I didn't know that his cat died. And I had formed a bond with his cat. Yeah, I was like, you're an incredibly emotional person. I had formed a bond with his cat for the literally two and a half months that I had been dating him. And I was very upset. That makes sense. So then I went home. I hope he didn't think that I was crying over him. Because I sure was crying (laughs) over his cat. (laughs) Robin feels things so very deeply, which is like a trait that I actually really uh, am envious of because I haven't felt anything in years. (laughs) But I just like, you know what I mean. (laughs) But it's just like, the minute you said his cat died, I was like, oh, she cried about that. Mm -hmm. She cried about that cat. She barely knew. She did. I just like silently cry about a lot of things. Recently, like everybody has a Coldplay song. Like Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this, you know you have a Coldplay song. Please say your Coldplay song aloud now. Mm -hmm. Either way, let us know what your Coldplay song is. Yeah. My Coldplay song is a song called Clocks. And it makes me cry every time just because I, because of like the concept it makes me think of. Like what's wrong with me? There's there's nothing wrong with you. I think that's sweet. Anyway, yeah, she did cry in the car. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, you want to talk about Riverdale though? Yeah. Okay. All right. Today we have words to say about episode 413 of Riverdale, The Ides of March. The Ides of March is a 2011 American political drama film directed by George Clooney from a screenplay written by Clooney, Grant Heslov, and Bo Williman. The film is an adaptation of Williman's 2008 play, Farragut North. It stars Ryan Gosling, George Clooney, Evan Rachel Wood, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Marissa Tomei, Paul Giamatti, and Jeffrey Wright. So a truly stacked cast. Basically everyone. Yeah. And apparently it was quite good. It won some awards. Okay. So for thoughts from listeners, we actually have two different things, um, but they are relevant to this week's episode rather than last week's episode. So we are going to go ahead and just insert them into the conversation once it is relevant. Um, so we have a really awesome voicemail from Casey, who you might remember from the 410 podcast, um, as well as my sister who has been texting us all day her, her theories. Um, and she's out in the living room right now, but she goes to sleep really early. So we'll see if we get to the point in which which we can talk about it because if she's still awake, we'll invite her in here and she can tell you her theories herself. And the thing about Callie's theories is they're almost always right. Mm. Yeah, she usually nails it, which is weird. Yeah. Uh Because, like, she doesn't pay as close attention to Riverdale as we do. Right. That's probably the hint to enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brittany, toot her boot. Uh, I just... I, I, I will boot any episode that retcons Veronica as badly as this one did. Like, the last 20 minutes are, like, you know, entertaining, but yeah. Boot. I didn't like it. Sam? I'm gonna also boot. I just enjoy the last five minutes of this episode. Mm. Everything else I was like, I would rather be taking it. A nap would be a better use of my time. Mm. You know? Yeah. And I don't take that many naps, you yeah. know? I would newt it. I've newted like the past three episodes. Yeah. I would newt it, but I'm going to boot it. <laughs> <laughs> I would newt it if it was like any of the 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 um the storylines 
separately and then within like a good episode you know what I mean yeah but because all of these storylines made me feel sad and bad and they are also in the same episode together yeah mm. that it's like I can't in good conscience do anything better than a boot I think it's like it goes down to did you enjoy watching it and with Riverdale you usually do whether or not it's good because mm-hmm. you have fun but I didn't have any fun watching this episode, exactly. so boot. I would say that, like, if it was just the, like, Veronica and Archie storyline, then, like, whatever, fine. Because Betty and Jughead usually save it. And Betty and Jughead's storyline is still interesting, this episode. But it made me really upset and uncomfortable because I knew that Jughead was sitting there being gaslit and yelled at by a bunch of people and he didn't deserve it. Which made mm-hmm. me feel bad and me feel anxious. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I gotta boot it. I mean, it does, like, things like that do set up, like, a big comeback. Mm-hmm. But with this show, like, there's not a lot of, like, groundwork for that big comeback. So you just see the characters beaten down. Then you kind of ju- got to just hope that they'll come back to that at some right. point. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we're going to get started, and we're going to start by talking about Varchi. Yay. Mm-hmm. All right. I did the Varchi so- storyline. It is um, tied into Shoni. Do you want to do them both at once? Because I kind of yeah. did this yep. all at once. Okay. All right, here's Varchi's storyline, for better or for worse. Archie is pulling triple duty working at Andrews Construction, the center, and school. Mr. Honey tells him it's way too late for college or even graduation for him. Also, he can't walk with his friends because, I don't know, I guess Mr. Honey's just a dick. Yep. Hiram yells at Veronica for trying to help him after he dropped a cup, so she storms out of the house and has sex with Archie in the Riverdale High band room for some reason. She says she doesn't want to think about the future and just have fun for the rest of the school year. Archie agrees because he's super stressed. Hiram shows up to work out at the center because he wants to work out in a real gym, even though he has, like... Two other options. Yeah, like he's rich. Archie lets him stay and tells him to make out a check to the Fred Andrews Community Center because he's a good boy. Cheryl and Tony find out a new high roller is interested in joining the Maple Club. It's Hermosa in a wig, but Tony doesn't know that. Tony says she'll consult with Cheryl about her joining the club. Archie and Ronnie party at La Bonne Nuit, but Archie has to bail because work. Ronnie isn't happy about that and starts drinking instead. Archie asks Hiram how to balance two businesses. Hiram tells him to pick one. Archie pitches selling Andrews Construction to Vic and taking Tom on full time to Tom, who is on board. (laughs) Ronnie gets caught with booze in her locker and Archie takes the fall for her since he has nothing to lose. He gets detention. Ronnie visits him in detention and tries to sleep with him again? Archie turns her down because he's worried about her. She bounces to hang out with Shoni, which, I mean, relatable. Tony and Hermosa dance up on each other at Le Bon Nui. Cheryl joins in and it's like low-key kind of like a threesome on the dance floor. They take Hermosa up to a hotel room because all of this was actually a trap and Tony actually did recognize Hermosa. Veronica accuses Hermosa of trying to infiltrate her rum operation. Hermosa says Hiram told her about him being sick, which he still hasn't told Ronnie. Ronnie storms out after trying to throw Hermosa's wig, which was really anticlimactic. Archie visits Ronnie and she finally reveals everything about Hiram. Archie says she should treasure the time she has with him and that no one gets Hiram fired up like she does. So Veronica shows off Red Raven's new ad campaign and pisses Hiram off so much that he is indeed fired up. She says she's going to single-handedly save Hiram. Okay. (laughs) Archie almost sells Andrew's construction of Vic, but then he bails. It's his family's company. He tells Hiram he hired Tom at a reduced salary to be foreman instead. Varchie gets a text from Betty after having sex for the billionth time. They hit up at the Stonewall party and immediately sneak away to bang in the woods. One word, slivers. They go looking for Bughead and find out that Betty super murdered Jughead. Okay. All Shoney did in this episode was dance. Be fetishized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, basically. Okay, so um, Archie gets up at 4.45 a.m. because he's a busy, busy boy. And and so we learn that Mary is back because Archie leaves a note for her on the coffee. Which is really sweet, yeah. So where is she? Since when does Pops do donuts? Okay, so... (laughs) Mm-hmm. Roberto, the showrunner, knows how freaking ridiculous his show is because he literally tweeted, since when does Pops do donuts? 
Yeah. Like, he knows what he's doing. It's ridiculous. It's like, I can't tell if, like, the problem with Riverdale is that it's not a parody because it takes itself so seriously. Mm -hmm. So then in this case, sometimes it's just bad. Yeah. So Monroe's mom has been watching the center. That, that, I mean, that's been the, the, cool. Where is Monroe? I, I don't know. Is he, like, already at Dame? Because he shouldn't be. I, I, I wish that they wouldn't waste that character like that. Like, the beginning of this season had so much promise, and then it just went downhill so quick. He's mm. not already at school. He's just, um, not in this episode. Like, yeah. But he hasn't been but, in a bunch of them. He hasn't been but, here no, since but, 410. But we know he's there when they get arrested. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, he's, he's not in, gone. He's in school. He's sitting beside Reggie. Eli was probably, like, filming something else. Right. Archie learns that he can't really apply for college, and he also can't graduate with his class. Honestly, this is realistic. I mean, yeah. He, like, yeah. They said that he was going to need to, like, repeat the year, basically. He he went to jail, he was on the run, then his dad died. Like, he's missed so much school. And on top of that, he's not very smart. Yeah. Like, bless his heart. Mm-hmm. But he's really dumb. Yeah. And so, honestly, I was with Mr. Honey. He was like, if you didn't, if you're not graduating, you shouldn't ha- be able to walk up there because it's not it's not fair to the kids who worked hard or whatever, you know? But then he calls him undeserving, and I'm like, okay, wait, 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 no. Like, his dad died. Yeah. And also, um, the only reason he much. went to jail is because he was framed? Yeah. So, like, Archie actually didn't do anything wrong, and he probably would be graduating if all of those things hadn't happened to him. Right. It's unfair. But, to make Archie feel better, Jughead won't be walking with them either. Oh, right, because death. Oh, no, no, because he goes to Stonewall. <laughs> <laughs> you lured me right into that, and it wasn't nice. That was funny. So, in Veronica's storyline, um, Hiram drops coffee on himself because he's shaking. No one even knows what disease he has. This is fake. I just, it's either the writers don't care, or they don't want to commit to it because they don't want to commit to realism. But I'm like, what, what is this supposed to be? Is this supposed to be MS? Is this supposed to be some other kind of degenerative disease? Is it supposed to be like a connective tissue disorder? Like, what does he have that causes these things? Well, I was kind of expecting them to reveal whether or not this was fake, this episode, because like all signs point to Hiram's manipulating Veronica, but he really does seem different. Like he was truly kind to Archie and everything, you know? So it's like, I don't know what kind of game he's he's playing here. You See, know, like, I just don't know. This is the problem with Hiram is the writers have made him so fundamentally untrustworthy that even if this is real, it'll feel cheap the entire time because you'll never trust it. Right. But like until he's in the ground dead from an unnamed disease, mm-hmm. we won't trust it. Right. So Veronica copes by getting it on with Archie. Not great. Yeah. It's not my um, favorite thing to watch. Like, Veronica drinking and everything. We literally just recently um, recorded our Stranger Things 202 podcast, which comes out on February 26th. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. Um, the day uh, that Riverdale comes back, actually, mm-hmm. coincidentally. Oh, that's um, weird. Yeah. Love that. And this same thing, not exactly the same thing, because Nancy isn't out here, like, banging Steve a bunch of time. And In fact, she full-on just breaks up with him. But... She is drinking to excess just like constantly mm-hmm. um, because she's upset about Barb. And yeah. so it's, uh, you're all teenagers. <laughs> I mean, that's realistic teen, teen drinking versus whatever Veronica's doing, which mm-hmm. is like the writers forgetting that she's like 17, 18 right. and doing these things like an adult would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I also wanted to point out that this is how Jughead found out about Archie and Grundy is Archie and Grundy were making out in the band room. And since there's literally no cover on the like little window on the door, Jughead just like full on looked in the door, you know? They literally shot through the door. Yeah. They usually used it as a frame. Like that's the funniest thing in the world is like they shot through the door 
And then it, they, it just happened to be like a cool shot. Like, it wasn't like anyone was yeah, touching them. It genuinely implied that they were full on naked in that room. Which is just like so, in the middle of the room. Which There's is a so window. gross. Like, it's a high school. Do you know how many nasty, like, teenage bodies go through there? Yeah. Like, ugh. Do you guys think that Varchi is on their way to breaking up? Yes. Mm, yes. Tell me why. Because I want Archie <laughs> to get with Betty. Not because you want it. Why do you think that using evidence from the show, Samantha? Because Archie holds Betty's hand at that booth that pops after Jughead's dead. <laughs> yeah, you know how you can't hold hands with your friends? Robin and I are holding hands right now. We are friends. We're too close. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not what I meant. I mean, I have reasons. She wants to go to college far away. Mm-hmm. He can't get into college. He has to do another year in Riverdale. He's he's got too many ties to Riverdale to ever want to leave and I don't think she wants to live here forever. Yeah. Pretty cool. Okay. So, as we've seen in this episode, Veronica copes in really unhealthy and borderline like gross ways. Yeah. So, how is Veronica going to cope with her best friend murdering her boyfriend's best friend? That feels like a wedge, mm. doesn't it? So, I feel like maybe they'll break up because of that and Veronica will turn on some unhealthy coping mechanisms or she'll just hang out with Shoni a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I would love for her to hang out with Reggie again. That's my ship, but okay. That's a mood. So Hiram, so since that happened to Hiram, he has showed up at the El Royale. He's starting to train because he feels weak. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, fair enough. Potentially, if this is real. Weak with what? Who knows? Yeah. And he can go to literally any other gym, but he says this one is real. Like, that's rich people speak for... There's poor people here, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know it, yeah, I mean? the the regular, uh, cur- like the regular um, classes here. Exactly. So I was like, oh my god, this is so condescending. So Archie says, yes, you can stay, but you do have to pay for your membership. And Hiram's like, that's not a problem. I'm a bajillionaire. And you make it up to the Fred Andrews Community Center. So it's not called the El Royale anymore, even though everyone wears El Royale merch. I think it's the El Royale gym inside the Fred Andrews Community Center. Oh my gosh, how did I? That's so weird. I never thought it was like a full-on community center. I thought it was just the gym. I figured it was a community center. Or it became one. Right, Except it's just, oh. I feel like it's mostly a gym. Yeah. That's but, like, that's what the building but is. But they probably have, like, rooms for parties and, like... Show us the party stuff. rooms. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Maple Club, I guess, they're, like, when they get calls, they have to have a front because it's not technically allowed to be a, a thing or whatever. And they need a way to vet, like, new clients. Because, mm-hmm. like, they picked their own clients. Now the clients want to pick them. Right. So the front is Ellie's Essential Oils. <laughs> I looked it up, but I don't I don't know if this is a reference to anything. So if anyone knows, please let me know. I think it's just like an MLM reference. MLM? Multi-level marketing. Basically pyramid scheme, which oh. is like what most like things around essential oils are. Mm. It's just, oh, sure. you're not selling products, you're selling your friends. Right. Yeah. Who was calling? It was somebody from, so probably like the bartender at Le Bonnoui, but, yeah, probably. but it's not Reggie anymore. Yeah, I was just going to say the bartender, but not Reggie. Yeah. Um. So Hermosa wants a share in the business or what, or that's her cover because she's just trying to find the Maple Club, I guess? I know. Like, is that what her plan was? I, the thing is, they don't actually tell us what Hermosa's plan was because yeah. all Hermosa does is say, hey, dad told me he was dying before he told you he was dying and then she leaves. And I'm like, what was the point of this? So many plots in this episode, I didn't understand why we're here or care that they existed. That's the confusing part is it's like, okay, so her plan is, I assume, to find the Maple Club so that she can like help hire him out with the rum business or like take him down or something because he's the mayor so he can like 
revoke their liquor license again or like something but then it's like she seemed actually pretty interested in hanging out with Shoni in that way so yeah. it's like I was like was she planning on is she not into girls and she was just planning on like manipulating them so that she could get to the maple club or is she actually into girls and she's just having a good time and it's just like extra like an extra like treat on the side I or, or what truly have no idea like it might have even been like Hermosa like taking matters into her own hands and being like oh well I'm going to take out Veronica's business for Hiram. So that's gotcha. one less thing he has to stress about. And I'm like, right. but you need to explicitly state these things. Because mm-hmm. otherwise it just looks stupid. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, so Tony goes to see Hermosa. Um, she's still using Antoinette when she's talking, uh, when she's doing dealings about the Maple Club. I like that. I kind of think it's cool. And Hermosa is going by Rosa Hivon. Mo- Veronica also wears a blonde wig when she's pretending to be somebody else. She sure does. But she goes by Monica Posh, which sounds like Veronica Lodge, and I don't know how Rosa Havon sounds like Hermosa Lodge. I just don't think it does. Oh, Havon? Haven? Oh. Lodge? Haven? Okay. Okay. Does Rosa mean beautiful? Wait, what does- but Hermosa means daughter, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. What does Hermosa mean in Spanish? I said, what does Hermosa mean in Spanish? And she just translated Hermosa from English to Spanish. Mm, Thank you. Cool. That doesn't do what I wanted to do. It's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. So Rosa- a rose is beautiful. Rose is beautiful. Havon is supposed to be like Lodge. And yeah, Rosa means pink. Right. So then she says it's a date. So does Hermosa like girls or is this part of her ploy? We still don't know. I th- I, mm-hmm. I think it's part of her ploy, but she could also like girls. Like, yeah. We just don't know. She could have just like been having fun. I think maybe two things can be true. Maybe Hermosa's sexuality is fluid and like I did get some vibes like that she was kind of actually into Tony. Yeah. But you never know with like Hermosa or Hiram whether or not they're lying about something. Right. So it's hard to get any kind of read. So Veronica's dancing with Archie and Archie's like, cool, yeah, this has been fun, Veronica, but I have to leave because I have to be up early. And she's like, that's lame. And he's like, okay, well, genuinely, I have to go because he's a responsible boy. Yeah. And she can't manipulate him into staying because he has things to do and he like decides to go. And you know what? That's my boy. I respect him. I respect him. Like, genuinely, I love Archie so much, even when he's in these garbage plot lines. Like, one of my favorite moments of Archie recently was when Frank gave him back the money and said, Mm. okay, are we good? And Archie went, no. Yeah, same. I loved that moment. Well, because Archie, I think, has gotten really good at establishing boundaries. Yeah. Like, he knows how to say what he wants and needs in a way that is more firm than it used to be. Yeah. So Veronica's drinking from the flask. Like, it's not a secret. Everyone knows what a flask is for. Like, just because you're... Like, you're a minor, and everyone sees you drinking out of a flask. Everyone knows what you're doing. <laughs> and also, like, aren't there regular raids on the Bon Like, yeah. also, be more subtle. Yeah. Like, just put She's it like, in glug, a glug, water. glug. Sis, put it in a water bottle. Yeah. Ugh. In a water bottle? <laughs> so, um, Archie starts asking Hiram for business advice. Ask FP or Tom or someone else who's a father figure. Do not ask Hiram. But it's probably because it's about business. Who else owned a business other than Fred? Anyone? Other than Fred and Hiram? So, like, maybe that's why he's asking Hiram, I guess? Yeah, I mean, there's really... I mean, Mary's a lawyer and probably has better advice, but... Alice owned the Riverdale Register. Oh, yeah, she That's is. true. Yeah. Once upon a time when Alice had a plot line. Yeah, I was like, who's Alice? I've mm-hmm. never heard of her. So he, She was in the last episode. So he talks about how Andrew's construction is his legacy, um, and Hiram mentions that they do both have Fred's name, so as long as you keep one of them going, then you're to- you've totally, like, made your legacy, and I'm like... Ugh. Damn, Hiram, why do I agree with you? Right? It's so why annoying. The, I never thought I would agree with Hiram. Why has the man got a point? So then he goes to talk to Keller and he says, listen, if I sell it, the the thing, 
the company to Vic. I can give you a steady income, which you haven't had for like a year. And Keller's like, yeah, that sounds great. If Archie hadn't promised this to Keller and had just like decided not to sell it, I would have been like, okay, do whatever you want. Exactly. But the fact that he was like, Keller, I'm going to give you a steady income. Yes, Vic, you're going to have a steady income. Everything is going to be good. Everything's going to work out for everybody. Keller needs this. He literally has had a temporary job and like bad salary for like a year. And Archie like promised that to him. Other people's lives are on the line. Yeah. And so when he did that, I was like, seriously, bro? Like that, I super didn't agree with Archie in that moment. If he hadn't promised it to Keller, that would have been fine. Yep. But the fact that he did was really upsetting. Yeah. And, like, I understand his reasoning. Of course, it's Fred's legacy. But if Archie doesn't intend to run that as his, like, career... Mm -hmm. Vic is. Vic wants to take it seriously. And Tom needs a real job. Like, Archie is preserving the memory of someone who's gone in a way that is inconveniencing the living. Yeah. And I don't think that's what Fred would want. Right. So Kevin is talking about one of the tests that they were taking and Veronica is like, is that even a question? Like, did she, she didn't even read the questions on the test. Is she drunk? Is she taking her tests drunk? (laughs) She's fully spiraling. It's hard to watch. Yeah. So Mr. Honey is like, hey, um, sounds like your college would be pissed at the fact that you're like underage drinking. And she's like, they already know I drink because they saw me at the speakeasy. I'm like, I thought that was Columbia. Yeah. But then I looked it up and apparently Barnard is like a sanction of Columbia. Oh, really? I uh, guess. But, like, that wasn't clear. Like, if you're not if you're not doing the research. Like, if you're not literally, like, like, a Columbia graduate. Yeah. How would you know these things? Is it because we're Canadian? I don't know. Maybe. Um, so Archie takes responsibility for it because he has nothing to lose. And she has everything to lose. So he takes, takes responsibility. And, like, half of me was, like, Archie, that was very nice of you. And, like, I really liked how, like, satisfyingly that kind of, like, fit into place. Like, that puzzle piece really fit perfectly. But also, I was like, Archie, you didn't have to do that. Like, she needs to take responsibility for her actions. Yeah. But, like, he was such a smooth liar. I was so proud of him. Yeah, totally. And, like, you believe him because he's so earnest. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't oversell the details. He gives just enough information to be like, hey, like, you know I'm having a hard time. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that's my boy. This shouldn't be something you're good at. But you are. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Honey says he'll also call Mary, and Archie's like, okay. I think at this point, if Mary was like, oh yeah, he's been drinking at school, yeah, that probably checks out. She's like, yeah, Yeah. well, he kind of deserves it, doesn't he? So Veronica tries to get with Archie in the science room during his detention, but he's like, um, hello, Dr. Beaker. (laughs) Duh. Right? So Veronica gets mad that he won't have fun with her. Wait, we were literally just like, Archie deserves to drink, and like, Veronica's dad is dying, and we're like, she doesn't deserve to drink! I mean- We're not, we're not saying that she doesn't deserve to drink, we're just saying that she shouldn't. Her dad sucks, too. Like, why are you sad? (laughs) I'm not saying Archie should, either. No, I'm just like- Mary would just be so unsurprised if yeah, Archie just, was doing stuff after Frank was in town, right. I think is what I was trying to say. Also, yeah. it would just make more sense for Archie to want to drink than Veronica to be. Right. Like, Archie's had a genuinely hard year, and Veronica's like, my loser dad is dying of something that none of us have control over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, my loser dad. where's the party? Yeah. <laughs> for I, I, have no, I have no sympathy for Hiram. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. So my next note was just, um, Veronica, are you peeing after all of these? Because you're going to get a UTI. Okay, legit. <laughs> Especially if you do it in the woods, bud. Right? Ugh. Oh, the wood. Come on. It's just so icky. So I think that what we're going to do now, because we are at the scene in which um, Hermosa is dancing with 
um, Tony and Cheryl. We are going to throw it over to a voicemail from our friend Casey, who is at Casey Wall. And she has some thoughts on Shoney, which shouldn't surprise you if you listen to our 410 podcast in which she talked a lot about Shoney. Mm-hmm. Um, but she did want me to say before the before you listen to it, um, that at some point closer to the end of her voicemail, she says that Cheryl deserves to have more agency. Um, and she meant Tony. <laughs> She said that it would it would be confusing if she left it if she left it as Cheryl. So she wants you to know that she means Tony. Yeah. When she's talking about agency. So um, we are going to give that to Casey now. Hello, aficionados and friends. This is Casey. Um, you might remember me from the Varsity Blues episode where I went on like a 30-minute rant about Shoney. And uh, surprise, I'm back again to do pretty much the exact same thing and express my general upsettedness about how Riverdale is currently treating its queer characters because it's not good. (laughs) It's very bad. And I know you guys would have this conversation anyway, but it felt particularly important for me personally after this week's episode to seek out and know that there are conversations out there talking about how damaging and dangerous some of these depictions of queerness we're getting are. Because especially as a bi woman and as a bi woman who looked up to Tony and related to Tony and saw not just myself, my present self in Tony, but also saw my future self in Tony, if that makes sense. Kind of my future self as a bi woman who's accepted who she is and loves and exists unapologetically. It's incredibly upsetting and disheartening to see her now falling into all these traditional stereotypes about uh, not just bisexual people but bisexual women in particular like how they're only sex objects and they're always down for a threesome and they essentially have no emotional depth when it comes to relationships seeing her reduced to such a gross and simplistic view of bisexuals it's it's very upsetting and it's especially upsetting because we know that when it tries Riverdale knows how to write queer stories it's done it in the past and it's done it successfully I would say I mean people can argue that but we saw it in season one with moments between Kevin and his dad there was a whole plot line about internalized family homophobia and conversion therapy. I mean, what other teen show is doing that? I think it's incredibly important that we see stories like these, especially on shows geared toward teenagers. So we know that Riverdale knows how to tell these stories and do it right. And to now see them just completely reducing all their queer characters to two-dimensional, not complex fetishized objects it it's really like viscerally upsetting and it kind of all came to a head this episode for me at least just seeing tony completely objectified and used entirely as a prop in any storyline she gets and just to know that there are so many so many young people watching this show so many young bisexual women who are watching this and thinking is that how I'm supposed to be and so many 
straight people watching this and thinking, oh, that's what a bisexual is. It's so, it hurts to think about. And I don't know, it just, I just wanted to throw that out into the universe and let people know that bisexuals are more complex than that. And Tony is more complex than that. And just what they're doing with her this season really sucks because she has so much potential and there's so much about her that we don't know and that we can explore and that this show is just choosing not to for the sake of plot lines that exploit queerness essentially throwing Cheryl and Tony into sexual scandalous situations and throwing Kevin and Fangs into some weird tickling fetish plot like none of that is necessary like what's necessary is learning more about who these people are and their identities as queer people and I just hope that maybe one day we'll get to see that maybe one day Cheryl will get some agency back uh, maybe Kevin and Fangs will get to just go on like a normal date, maybe? I don't know. Because that's the stuff that young queer people need to see and young impressionable straight people need to see is just not queer people doing queer things and kinky things and fetishy things. They need to see queer people doing regular things. And I don't know, maybe that's unrealistic for a show that uh, has like a 16-year-old running her own rum business. But I would just really like to see these characters being teenagers who happen to be queer. Uh, so that's pretty much it. I'm interested to hear what you guys think. And yeah, if anyone wants to talk about this further, if anyone disagrees with me, actually, if you disagree with me, I don't really care. Um, but if anyone wants to talk and discuss this, I would be more than happy to chat with you. Um, so thanks, guys. Love you. So thank you so much to Casey for sending us in that voicemail. My once queen. again, once again, she is at Casey Wall if you want to chat with her like she offered. If you want to send us a voicemail or an email, you can uh, email us at aficionadospodcast at gmail.com. Your guys' thoughts on Casey's points? I think Casey made great points and I love everything she said and I love her and I would die for her. I think it's like one of those things that you don't really think about because you're so used to this like being a normal thing where like women are fetishized like this mm -hmm. to the point where like I as a gay person sometimes don't even clock it right away. So I'm like oh yeah this is how this is on this show. But Casey brought up a really good point which is like like our whole community has basically been demonized because it's seen as an inherently sexual and thus hedonistic community that is like demonic. Like we've been like, and that's because a lot of safe spaces were 18 plus where like, you know, a lot of the safe places were clubs and bars, you know, like we don't have like queer libraries, like we don't have queer coffee shops. So those spaces were adult spaces where it was safe to congregate, which is like, you know, what Stonewall was about, like the real Stonewall, not the friggin' school. So Casey has a really good point here, which is that Riverdale may have all of these amazing, like, queer characters, but they're all used in ways that do absolutely nothing for us as a community. It actually, like, sets us back. Like, in the past, it's been really good, and that's why it's so disappointing. Like, this is not the first time that Tony has been shown being 
being down for a threesome. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Which is like fine which is if fine. that's which is fine if that's like what you want to do. But like if she's your main bisexual representation on the show, you need to acknowledge the stereotype. Yeah, it's exactly. Garbagey. It's like it's upsetting because this is a, an example of like when straight people watch Riverdale and they think that talking about gay issues, queer issues to children is inappropriate. Exactly. Because gay things are inherently sexual when they're not. But you you watch the TV and Riverdale, like all of their gay characters are all like super, super sexual. Like, mm-hmm. like Casey brought up, Fangs and Kevin are stuck in this sexual thing and yep. Tony and Cheryl are doing this sexual thing. So people are constantly thinking, okay, gay people only have like sexual stuff going on, right? So they think it's inappropriate to talk to children about that. When it's like that's not what it's about at all. And that's like that's part of the problem. Yeah. Because gay people are also just people. Yeah. Um can you confirm? Can can confirm. And as, like sometimes as we're gay really people. boring people, you know? <laughs> totally boring. Yeah we're, yeah. we're really boring. We like go to the grocery store and we watch TV mm-hmm. and we do arts and crafts. Like I'm glad this came off to Casey exactly the same way it came off to me. Because they started the club dancing scene and I was like, I feel like I am being fetishized. Like, these are people that I see myself in and they're just being used as sex objects and I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Like, none of these people are shown having, like, brains or agency or whatever. It's just sexy dance montage after sexy dance montage and I'm like, this is stupid. This is not how I act. The thing is, we don't see any straight male characters dealing with their issues this way. Mm. We only see either the queer characters or women dealing with issues this way i.e ronnie or betty when she did the serpent dance Mm -hmm. you know like it's always that the women are hyper sexualized and then you add their their orientation on top of that and it just becomes like this melting pot of just sexism and like like borderline homophobia and it's just it's weird and uncomfortable and it shouldn't be this way because the writer's room has said multiple times that they have queer people on the writing staff so like so do you not see this Mm-hmm. Or are you just letting it go? Yeah. It's a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. And I've been saying it for a while. Yeah. We've all been saying it for a while. Yeah. So, turns out Veronica has been in on the plot with Hermosa the whole time, which is great. Yeah, sure. Like, like Tony recognized her from the papers. Um, Super helpful. Sure. Uh, and then immediately told Veronica about it. I was honestly relieved. One yeah. of the, like, oh, yeah. only moments in the episode where I, like, had, like, a, a positive movie. emotion, <laughs> yeah. you know? Right. So Veronica is upset that Hermosa knows more about the disease than her. The whole point of Hermosa in the first half of the season was that Veronica didn't care. She yeah. specifically was like, I don't care. You you can be his favorite. I don't give a crap. I literally hate him. And it's like, she's not even bringing up the fact like now that she literally hates him and doesn't care or whatever. Like she's just like showing it on her sleeve now that like she cares and Hermosa's getting under her skin. And that's like totally Hermosa's plan. Like she wants Veronica to be uncomfortable. Like, is that also part of Hiram's plan? So that like, not only will Veronica feel compassion for Hiram, but also Hermosa goes in there, makes her even like, makes her want to be close to him. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I can't tell if like, it's just really unclear whether this is, like, a ploy by Hiram or if he's actually, like, in pain. Like, I just don't know. Veronica's whole, whole storyline this season has been a friggin' waste of time. Mm-hmm. Yep. More so than other seasons. Right. 
So Archie comes to Veronica. He talks about how he's worried about her. Honestly, Archie is a good boyfriend. Yeah, he's he such a good boyfriend. Yeah. Um, so she talks about how she feels helpless about Hiram. What does this change about Archie and Hiram this episode now that Archie knows that Hiram is sick? Because Archie didn't know Hiram was sick when he said, yes, you can come to my gym. I don't think it'll change the damn thing. I think Archie no. will be kind to him regardless. Yeah. Yep. Because Archie is a good boy. Yeah. yeah, because Archie's a good person and... If anything, it'll make him understand Veronica's actions more. That actually, I think, shows, like, gives Archie more, like, good person creds because he didn't even know that Hiram was dying when he allowed him to come to the gym. Precisely. Yeah. Cool. I think Archie is the kind of person where if you tell him you're dying, he'll say, okay, Mm -hmm. and not treat you any differently. Right. So he tells Veronica that he was really upset that he didn't get to spend time or say goodbye to Fred before he passed away. So basically... Spend time with your dad, even though he sucks. And because you'll, you for murder. you might regret it. And get him fired up because no one else does. So she comes up to the <laughs> breakfast table and she she's rebranding her rum because we we've never heard this before, right? Yeah, right. we thought it was called Luna. Yeah, what was it? It was before she changed it. Yeah, she can't. She turned back to Lodge, so now there's no point to having Luna. Luna was a much better name for the record. So now it's called Red Raven. Um, and she tells everybody that more people like her rum over his and quality is better than quantity, basically. She talks about how they're going to have ads in the Riverdale Register, the Greendale Gazette, and the Seaside Sentinel. Cool. She says that there's going to be new renovations to the Blossom Maple Factory and they'll be making 300% more rum by the end of the year. And so Hiram says that she has now awoken the dragon and <laughs> needs to prepare to be eaten. <laughs> oh my god. So Mark Antoilos has to say these things. Things. When when people make jokes about how horribly written, how how chaotic and terrible the writing is on this show, that's what they mean. Yeah, yeah. But like, I don't know. I understand why other people can look at that and be like, this show is written horribly. But I hear that and I'm just like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but like, because you understand what Riverdale is, which mm-hmm. is a parody that doesn't know when it's parody. Right. Like, it's be- it's beautiful in its badness, but only we're allowed to say that. Right. So Veronica says to... Hermione and Hermosa that she is going to save him from the disease. Okay. Well, you know that is how medical science works. Ma'am, sure. it sounds like he can't be cured. Like he like I it's think Riverdale. I think that Hermione said that he can take drugs to like slow it or something, but like it you can't save him by being his competition. <laughs> I mean, she might have meant that him having a purpose and not resigning himself to his disease, like, there there has been, there's, there is proof that while attitude doesn't save you from dying, it does help with, like, your diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're just resigned to death, like, you're gonna die a lot faster than if you're not. Mm-hmm. But, but they don't frame it that way. They frame it as Veronica is about to go out there and cure MS. Right. Which is not going to happen. No, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, she, she can do a lot of things, but she's not a doctor. I just mm-hmm. don't think that's one of them. So Archie's going to sign the papers to sell the construction company. They even brought back the guy who plays Vic. Um, and he decides not to. And this is super rude. Like I said, not very nice at all. Yeah, this is the only time I haven't been on Archie's team. Yeah. So, um, if I could bring up Lost very quickly. I don't what? Think, I don't think I have done for a couple episodes, so here you go. Okay. Um, there is a scene in the first season, uh, episode 110, uh, it's called Raised by Another. Mm-hmm. And, um, basically, like, what you need to know is there's a character named Claire, and she's pregnant. That's not a spoiler. She's literally pregnant in the pilot. Well, like, most of the show. Yeah. Well. well in the first season. Yeah. 
and she, in the flashbacks, is going to sign her baby away for adoption, basically, um, because her boyfriend left her and she doesn't want to do it by herself, so she's going to give the baby to this really lovely couple. Which is her choice. Yeah, totally her choice. And so she tries to sign the paper. And I mean, you know, it's the call of the island, really. It's a magic island. And there are magic things that happen outside of the island because of things that need to happen on the island. It's it's a whole thing. Either way, she tries to sign it and the pen doesn't work. And then she tries another pen and that pen doesn't work. She tries another pen and that pen doesn't work, even though it was literally just working. Like she just cannot sign the paper. And she takes that as a sign that she's not supposed to sign away her baby. I mean, I have, like, had moments like that before, Mm -hmm. just, like, for the record. Sometimes you just know the universe is telling you no. Yeah. So this isn't what happened, really, but um, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. Like, that moment where he was just kind of, like, hovering above the paper, you know what I mean? He was like, if I can't sign it and I'm feeling this hesitation, it has to be for a reason. Yeah. So Archie goes back to the El Royale. He took the Andrews construction sign and puts it at the El Royale, but like, huh? Like, don't they need that sign? I think that implies that he's gonna run Andrew's construction out of the hall now. Oh, okay. Which I think is a good idea. Oh, okay. And then maybe Tom will work both jobs if he's there as well. Right. Mm. But he shouldn't have to. You know, like, he's the foreman and he's working on reduced salary just to help Archie out. Like, he shouldn't have to do this. Well, it's reduced salary now with a promise that later. I mean, he says for now, right? Right. Like, later he will be okay. I mean, sure. And also, his wife is a lawyer. Precisely. So as long as... As long as... Yeah. As long as she's still getting work, he should be fine. Precisely. But also, where is she? (laughs) Bring her back, please. Show us the moms! Show us the moms! So this is really screwing over Keller and Vic. I'll just say it. Yeah. Um, She's right. And also, now that you and Hiram are best friends, you guys can do Hiram's prison job and make money, right? I guess. But probably they're never going to bring that up again. Nope. I think they might. You think so? Yeah, I think Hiram's going to get more involved in Archie's storyline again. Ah. Okay. So now we have to deal with post-coital or Varchie again. What? Which I don't. Post-coital. Post-coital. I was like, oh, there's that accent. Ew. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that really sells it all. Archie has a plan. He's going to do summer school, and then he's going to do college for the spring semester. It's a great plan. And we're like, good it's for you, buddy. Good plan. Realistic. You got this. Um, and then they get invited to the party, and Veronica says, "When's the last time the four of us hung out together?" She has a point. Jason's funeral. That's when. Yikes. Oh my god. <laughs> but I do have to say that, like, I don't know when the last time. Veronica and Archie have even seen Jughead. Like, Veronica saw him at the Stonewall party, and Archie saw him when he, like, came to beat up Brett. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 But potentially, yeah. literally, they haven't seen Jughead in, like, weeks, and the next time they see him, he's dead. Oop. It's been a weird year for them, I think. Because they didn't see him at the party. No. Right. Like, they asked where he was. They literally, like, showed up, did it in the woods, and then, like, by the time- Like, if y'all hadn't done it in the woods- Y'all would have gotten to see it in a live Jughead, but whatever. Ah, uh, yes. The rare alive Jughead. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the rest of this is going in the final part where we will talk about everything that happens at the party. So, now it's time for Bughead, but before then, Brittany, can you tell me about Patreon? Uh, no. Can you tell me about Patreon? I, I mean, I could. Okay, so tell me about Patreon. Okay. Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Like, on, like, a monthly basis? Yeah, on a monthly basis. Oh, cool. How much? Well, the lowest one is a dollar, but I think that anybody would kind of just take whatever you can, whatever you're willing to give them, you know? Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I mean, the highest one that we have right now, like, we have a patron giving us $50 a month, and that's iconic. Yes, it is. Yeah. Is it my mom? It's your mom. Yeah, it's my mom. So, what thanks, nice Katie. Lady. Yeah. 
Okay, well, what are some of the perks of becoming a patron? Like, if I was interested in doing that. Sure. Well, um, the main one is that you get early access to all of the podcasts at least one day. Okay. Lately, I've been doing two days, but, like, Ooh. no no promises, you know? Like, um, I have Lost and Stranger Things. They give me lots and lots of time to edit because they come out monthly, basically. Um, and so usually people will get those a week ahead of time just because they're done. Oh, yeah, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, you get those uh, early access from uh, SoundCloud. Um, and then every year we send out a postcard to all of our patrons, like a personalized, personally designed postcard. Um, so that's pretty cool, too. You know, I heard from one of our patrons that it was worth the $5 a month to get early access to our Star Trek Picard podcast. Like, that's just something that I heard. Oh, cool. You know? Mm -hmm. I mean, naming no names. Right. It was Kat. <laughs> anyway, if you're interested in that, you can go to patreon.com slash theaffectionautos and find out more. Yeah, and if you can't donate, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend because um, you know how many Riverdale podcasts there are? Like a butt ton. A too, lot. Too many. And so if one of your friends is looking for a Riverdale podcast, you can maybe recommend us and then and then they won't have to look it for one themselves. They'll already know which one to look at. I mean, I do want to say we were one of the like OGs. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like, true. When we started, there were like three Riverdale. Podcasts. We were here. We were here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've been new. Yeah. All right. Bughead? Bughead. Jackie gets called in by Mr. DuPont to tell him that he's out of the Quillen skull because his girlfriend broke into their inner sanctum and uh, he can't control Breddy, but okay. Um, <laughs> I also thought that was ridiculous. I was like, okay, but he didn't He didn't do anything. He didn't even like really know about it, but uh, okay. Right. Also, if he doesn't have a full novel by March 15th terminating his Baxter Brothers contract, so uh, he better get to typing. <laughs> he calls Betty for help, and she arrives and tells him uh, to write about what's been happening at school, starting with Moose's arrival. Is this all his novel or not? Uh, he reads what he has so far from Mr. DuPont and his creepy classmates, and they aren't impressed. He reads them the next chapter, and they're still feigning disinterest, but he insists that he has them all on the edge of their seats. <laughs> I don't think he does. I thought that part was so funny because I was like, bro, they know what happens, dude. <laughs> they lived it, bro. Jughead and his creepy classmates are summoned to DuPont's office where he reveals that Jughead has broken the cardinal law of writing uh, by plagiarizing the story that won him the Baxter Brothers contract. No, it's uh, I think that was the one that got him to Yale, actually. Oh. Yeah. I forgot. Jughead assumes that it's Brett, but it's actually Jonathan, which, like, okay, whatever. Who um, <laughs> are you? <laughs> right. <laughs> this is, like, this fourth line all season. Yeah. Jughead has evidence, but he can't find his laptop to prove them all liars, because Brett stole it and replaced it with a week ago because his evil plan has been in place for a while. We knew it! Jughead's set to stand, on, stand trial in front of the headmaster on Friday, which just happens to be the Ides of March. Yikes. When Jughead gets home, he tells Betty and FP about what's happening and they're not going to let him go down without a fight. Bughead show up at Stonewall with a lie detector to prove his slimy classmates wrong. Jonathan refuses to take it, but Jughead sits down instead and tells the truth. Donna thinks this won't prove anything, but Betty says this is just the first step of their plan. I guess. What was the rest of their plan? <laughs> Betty and Jughead search for the laptop to no avail. Uh, even the tapes Betty discovered last week have been moved. When they break into DuPont's office, they find a version of Jughead's original story about Jason's murder in an envelope that says ready for print. It's been edited, but it's still Jughead's story. They decide to confront DuPont about it. Apparently, Jughead didn't read the fine print on his contract that he signed. The Brotherhood owns everything that he submits. His classmates have all taken turns collaborating and rewriting his story. This place sucks. <laughs> Bughead go over their murder board and suspect that DuPont gave Donna Chipping's tie pin because they're all in this together. Insert high school musical clip. <laughs> 
Betty invites Donna to Pops for a milkshake. Where Then she goes? Where she confronts her about being manipulated by DuPont. Donna laughs in her face and wastes a perfectly good milkshake. That was her biggest crime. Uh-huh. Truly. Uh-huh. Jughead and Brett fight because that's what they're good at. Brett teases him about getting kicked out of Stonewall, but Jughead says he's telling the tribunal everything that he and the creep, the, his other creepy classmates have been doing. Brett reveals that he does have a sex tape of him and Betty, and if Jughead fights for his own rights, he'll release it and ruin Betty's future. You have to fight for your right to actually shut up. <laughs> At the tribunal, Jughead has a chance to fight for himself, but or gracefully withdraw from Stonewall. FP and Betty are there as backup, but thinking about the sex tape, J- Jughead withdraws and decides this isn't his fight. Okay. Betty and FP are shocked that he would just give up, but Jughead said he never stand- stood a chance of winning today anyway. Jughead packs up his stuff with Betty's help, and she's sad that he didn't fight for himself on account of her reputation. Brett and Donna show up to invite them to the Ides of March party because they're weird and this is a plot device. Jughead <laughs> agrees to go, surprising Betty. He tells her that he has a plan and he needs to get rid of the leverage Brett has over them first. He he seems real sure this is going to work out. Sure would be a shame if he wound up dead. <laughs> and it's just like so confusing because he goes, I have a plan to get rid of the sex tape. I'm like, what makes you think that Brett has the sex tape just on him? Just carries it on him and Jughead's going to like tear up the tape with I have his little n- knife. I have no idea what made him like, what? Huh? Okay. Anyway, going into the details. So Jughead gets murdered at the end of this episode, but he's still doing the voiceover AKA this is the narrator of the book and he's alive. Like he literally like after he shows up dead, like at the end of the episode, he's still doing the voiceover. Jughead is not dead. No, he's still, he's, he's still alive. He would not be doing the voiceover if he were dead. Yeah. Or he's been dead this whole time. Shut and up. And he's just telling this whole story. Shut from up. Heaven. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. They were dead the whole time. So Jughead's out of the Quillen skull because of Betty and Jughead's like, "Mm, okay, (laughs) whatever. And also you can't be in the Baxter Brothers anymore because your stuff sucks. And Jughead's like, like, that's rude. Okay, well, that's not really fair. Stonewall Prep celebrates the Ides of March, which is weird because the Ides of March is not a holiday. It sure isn't. Mm -mm. Like, that's a really creepy thing to... (laughs) <laughs> to celebrate. <laughs> you know what I thought was actually interesting is the fact that this is happening on March 15th and like now that we have been told what year this is taking place in then like like it, currently it's February. Like they're in the future. <gasps> they are in the future. Like it's always felt like Riverdale was kind of in the past. Yeah. And now like because we know that it's our year 2020. Yeah. And it's they're in March. They're already ahead of us. They're, they're in the future. Mm-hmm. How do we feel about this? That's kind of weird. Ooh. Creepy. Fresh. Mm-hmm. So they decide that he is going to write a prep school thriller, which is literally The Secret History, which is the book that this is based on. Okay. So basically that's what it is. Gotcha. So he did some really incredible, basically just like synonym finding. Truly. <laughs> for anything he needed to do. So instead of Stonewall prep, uh, it's called Brick Bridge prep. <laughs> so not stone, but brick. And not wall but bridge not a lot of work went into that i'm gonna i'm just gonna be honest the only one that i did not find as compelling was instead of mr chipping it was mr shepherd there was no work done there and it's like okay maybe he's a shepherd because he's like bringing in the like he's recruiting people so he's like shepherding them in maybe i don't I'm putting I too much thought. No, I, I can buy that. Yeah. So, so DuPont is like, okay, well, 10 pages won't save you, you piece of crap. I remember we were watching this and he was like, 10 pages of like autobiographical garbage isn't going to save you. We were like, who is this man? Yep. This is trash. So he says, okay, well, there'll be more tomorrow. And so he starts now, now, tomorrow. Yes. He says that uh, the character who's getting murdered is named Jarhead. Well, technically yeah. they were trying to kill the moose character whose name is... Bison. Bison. <laughs> <sighs> oh 
But I guess Jarhead is probably going to be murdered because that because is, reasons, what ha- is yeah. what's happening. Because reasons. If the writers were trying to do this, uh-huh. then they would very carefully make it so that in the flashbacks, Jughead's name is never said. <laughs> You know, Robin, please. That would just make too much sense. If Robin, it, please. I know, but if this is what they were, what they're doing, then like it would have been really smart for them to not have anyone say Jughead's name, yeah, like, or at like, all, yeah. or any of their names, yeah, or any of their names. But they they have been just like saying their names. So. But I'm sure, as you know, it probably Riverdale. it probably won't matter. But Jughead's cousin, canonically in the comics, is named Souphead. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed they didn't take that opportunity. Hey, they should have, though. Imagine if he called himself Soupet. Yeah. And then everyone who didn't know that fun fact from the comments would just be like, huh? Like, I know. It would be on No Context Riverdale and it would be great. Like, yeah. I get that it's Jughead and Jarhead because they're both, you know, containers. Drinking objects, yeah. sort of. But it's like Jarhead is already a thing. It's slang for a marine. So, uh, like, why wouldn't you pick something like Cuphead? Yeah. You could have so easily gone. Cuphead is a, um, is a video game. What, really? Is it really? Mm-hmm. It's very popular, I think. When you accidentally reveal that you're old and don't know things. Yeah. It's popular. It's a popular video game. Oops. Oops, I'm old. Anyway, please, uh, you should have used Soupead. Sorry. Yeah. So, he was in the coffin, which happened on Halloween, and in the book happened on Halloween. He says, on All Hallows' Eve. On All Hallows' Eve when the moon is around. So they put him in the coffin so that he wouldn't be a witness because they were trying to kill Bison. But I guess they don't kill Bison, and it also isn't, like, it isn't explained why they were trying to kill Bison. That was my question, too. Like, okay, why are you trying to kill them? Because, like, they didn't try and kill Bison but that's in way real life. Yeah. That's way more interesting, though. Yeah. Um, also, I thought this was supposed to be about the Baxter brothers. Like, where are the Baxter brothers in this, like, <laughs> in, in these little excerpts? Oh my god, but, I didn't think about it. Are yeah. they supposed to be the ones solving the... Yeah, they're trying to solve the mystery, but... Whoopee! Like, I would love if next week all of this garbage happened, and then at the end, two random men we don't know come in, and they're just like, we've got to solve the murder of Jarhead! And everyone's <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> got you. I would love that. So Jughead's like, aren't you guys excited to find out what happens next? No, they lived no. it. They know what happens. So now they tell Jughead that he plagiarized on Featherless Wigs, Wigs, <laughs> on Featherless Wings, which got him into Yale. And he plagiarized it from Jonathan. He's fully being gaslit at this point. Like, oh, they're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. telling him that that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. What I think they should have done was start asking Jonathan specific questions about the story and the wording and everything and see if he could freaking answer them. Yeah, but you know he would have studied. Oh, for sure. But, like, Jughead would know those things, too, you know? That's true. So, like, I don't know. All right. I have to. But then again, neither of us knew this. So... We all need to make a confession. Okay. If you watched our TV Co. stream from this past week, and you still can, it is saved on our TV Co. And we'll tell you a little about about TV Co. later. You may have seen me have an actual light bulb go on (gasps) above my head (laughs) live on TV Co. It was beautiful to watch. It was a delight. There was um, this thing that Cheryl said last episode while we were watching the previous episode. I was like, oh, I better look up what that means because I didn't. Yeah. And she said that Nick St. Clair was like a insert name here type. And it was the main character of American Psycho. And I didn't know anything about that because, you know, I, I like movies like To All the Boys I've Loved Before. So I-, I don't I don't watch that type of stuff. Yeah. So American Psycho, I click on it and I'm reading through it. And American Psycho was a novel written by a man named Brett Easton Ellis. We are so sorry. 
stupid. And I'm really upset that nobody who listens to this podcast called us out on not knowing who Brett Easton Ellis is. They literally changed his name from Easton to Weston. Yeah, we're blaming you guys. I'm upset with you. This is your guys' fault. Easton Ellis to Weston Wallace Mm -hmm. is just incredible. Like, we made fun of him for only having one T in his name. It turns out that that was, like, a thing they were doing on purpose. Anyway, if you want to check out me having that actual Eureka on, like, live on TV code, (laughs) check out our 412 stream. You, yeah, you have to check it out Mm -hmm. and then... Just kind of watch us all feel deep shame. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So he can prove that he wrote it, but it's on his old computer, which is now missing. Which we called. Which we called, but I think what we called is that he was going to take something from the computer. Oh, that's right. Rather than actually take the computer, but we should still take the points. I'm going to. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he's being gaslit, and when he leaves the room, like, DuPont says, yeah, yeah, go look for your computer. Yeah, go look for it. I just, like, wonder what they were all saying while he was out of the room. And also, like, was DuPont in on it the whole time? Why are we doing this to him? Like, I'm so confused. That's the thing that's really confusing, is, like, what's the motivation? Literally, what is the motive? Donna is so sinister this episode, and I'm like, what did Jughead do to you, bud? I'm so confused. Like, I don't understand. Like, Like, is it just that he's poor? Like, you get to the point where you're like, okay, it's happening. And then there's lots of questions. But, like, ultimately, you have to go back to the first question, which is, why are you doing this? Exactly. And I don't know. It's like, is it just that you hate poor people? Mm. Is that literally just it? Right. And if it is, wow, you guys are huge losers. Yeah. So he needs to finish his book by Friday, but also he needs to go in front of, like, the board of the school and fight his, like, plagiarism thing on Friday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So basically, Jughead says, like, my reputation is being ruined before I'm even a writer and I didn't even freaking do anything. So they have the lie detector test. Jonathan refuses to cooperate. Jughead passes the test, but they're like, this isn't everything, but we don't know what What, what did she ne- mean? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> so they go to Donna and Joan's classroom and they're looking, like, through their stuff. Um, they had film studies class. That's where they are. Um, sign me up. That sounds great. I minored in film studies. They have, I love that. They, they have these classes all in just the same room? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's all over the school. Okay. But that but like, that's like they're the, always in that same room. Well, that's where they are for like writing their yeah. writing seminar. So, okay. A big question was answered. Which is? And they didn't act like it was a big question, but it was a big deal for me. I was going to be like, yeah, okay. This is about to be a Robin big deal. Betty has to pick the lock on Donna and Joan's room. Mm-hmm. I've been wondering if those doors lock all season. And now you know. <laughs> Jughead walked in on Moose and Donna when they could have locked the door. Yeah. Yep. And they just didn't. Um, maybe Donna's into getting caught. Ugh. This whole season has been a giant confusing thing. Can the lock, can it be, can the doors be locked? The fact that that's the thing you focus on is the most Robin thing I've ever heard. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So they go down to the sanctum and because I guess they don't find anything in Donna and Joan's room. I guess. I guess. And of course the thing is empty now and Brittany had a thought on this. Go down the san- like sanctum or whatever the hell it's called. Isn't there supposed to be a silent alarm down there? Yeah, like, did Brett take the videos out and then just, like, turn off the alarm? Because even if he had taken the videos out, would he not want to know if people were snooping down there? You'd right. think. You'd think. So then he goes to DuPont's office and he finds out that they are going to print The Boy in the River, but there's some changes, um, and it turns out that the changes were made by his other classmates. This sucks. It what does. Was, so they, they lure Jughead to the school. They literally say, hey, come to our school. Well, that was chipping. Like, I don't know. And then he gets to the school 
and he's really good at stuff. And so they decide to steal all of his work and then force him out. But they all get credit, but none of them get paid. Yeah. I don't get it. It's so stupid. And he's like, he's basically just like, okay, well, Jughead, maybe you should have read your contract better. I'm like, I'm oh, like, okay. fuck you. So they decide that maybe DuPont took the tie pin from Chipping and gave it to Donna. And Chipping was driven to suicide by DuPont. Be like, okay. Okay. Sure. Like, it it still makes no sense. Yeah. So, I think my next note is just, you, Donna, please leave. But I don't know. (laughs) Mean. I don't don't know why. Oh, I think they're at Pops at this point. Guys, go back to the pop scene and just watch Donna's face. Because you're like, I don't know what the heck is going on in there. I don't know either. At some point, she looks, like, upset. And I'm like... Is she upset that she's been caught? Is she upset that Betty doesn't think she's the mastermind when she's the mastermind? Like, like I just don't know. Like, if she's being manipulated by DuPont, then, like, okay. But, like, if she isn't, then, like, what? Then literally, what is going on? I'm so confused. Okay, yeah, this is what we talked about already. But in all caps, my next note is, what is her beef? Why does she care to hurt Jughead like this? Who knows? I like, just don't, I just don't Is get she it. the secret granddaughter? Is she really his cousin? What's going on here? Right. Her, uh, Jughead's cousin? Yeah. Soupet? <laughs> like, is she secretly Soupet? Like, these are, these are my <laughs> theories at this point. Donna. Why Donna is so evil. Donna Soupet sweet. Never know. Never know. So, going back to Aficionados Riverdale Podcast Season 1, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about the milkshake flavors. Okay. Nah. If you listen to our podcast from Season 1, we talked a lot about milkshake flavors, and we thought it tells us when people are evil and when people are good. I mean, okay, going back, that was a good theory. Yeah. So, Betty has her vanilla milkshake, classic Betty vanilla milkshake, and Donna's uh, is strawberry. Yes. So not quite as good as Betty. No. So Jughead says he's going to expose Brett, but then Brett obviously blackmails him with the video. And he says the reason why he won't out everything that has happened is that he's, he doesn't want to ruin Betty. He says that he's a hopeless romantic. And so he won't hurt Betty. And I'm like, sure. Okay, that's really cute in a roundabout way, yeah. actually. <laughs> No, it's really cute. It's just like, give Betty a say. Right, exactly. So at the meeting, DuPont's like, listen, you don't deserve it. But if you want to, you're like allowed to just leave and take the L. And Jughead's like, okay, so he does. And of course, FP's upset about that. Right. Yeah, that hurt everyone's feelings. Mm -hmm. So I guess now he's not at Stonewall. And also he can't go to Yale. I get, well, I mean, he's dead. So he's not going to Yale for sure. Right. Yeep. Who knows? But still, like going back into the flash forwards, in what world does that mean that Betty can now go to Yale? Right. That is such a good question. Like, does that mean like his spot is up for grabs? Like, I don't think so, right? Like they would like Betty wasn't even waiting list. Like if if it was if she was waitlisted, that would make sense, but she wasn't. No, she straight up just didn't get in. Yeah. So like what about her being the Black Hood's daughter? Because that was the whole reason why they didn't want her. Like that doesn't change obviously so like what changes their mind and allows betty to go i don't know maybe they feel bad for her because her boyfriend got murdered Mm -hmm. yeah maybe your boyfriend got murdered so um we'll let you into our school now (sighs) i literally don't have an answer for this but like (laughs) but like so donna and brett come into jughead's room well i guess it's technically brett's room too but either way they come into the room where betty and jughead are like being sad and like kissing and stuff and they walk into the room and they basically are just like hey Jughead no hard feelings right why did you do this exactly no hard feelings but like when people say no hard feelings it's like sorry but you understand why I had to do this right that's what no hard feelings means yeah I'm sorry but I hope you understand why it happened and I don't understand why it happened no I need to know the motive. What was the motive? 
What was the reason? Was it just to use his content and then bounce? Because that's really weird. Yeah. If all of you claim to be such good writers, write your own crap. Like, there are so many mysteries this season, which there always are. And, like, completely forgetting about the videotapes, which is supposed to be the main thing. Oh my god, I forgot about the friggin' videotapes. Yeah. There's the, why is Jughead dead? But I, at this point, I'm more interested in, why did all, why did Brett and Donna do this? And we will literally never know. Like, I, I don't know. I hope him. so. This show is so bad at paying off stuff. So they invite him to the party and they're like, please invite your friends because I guess Brett and co have a plan. Sure. What's the plan? But like, was the plan to full on kill Jug for, for Jughead to legit die? Like, I don't know. I feel like that's a really weird plan. But apparently so does Jughead. Jughead also has a plan to get back the, their sex tape. But like, in what? what world does putting on a bunny mask- And holding a knife. And holding a knife and like going off into the woods, get your sex tape back. Like, I just don't understand. Unless- What does he have? Unless he and Brett teamed up against Donna? Huh? What? Like, what if Brett's secretly been in on this the entire time? And they're they're both helping fake something. I don't I If don't, they if they do that, I'm gonna be upset. Mm-hmm. Just because like Betty seems way too distraught to like be in on what actually happened. Yeah. But Brett might be. I'm just so confused. Cause clearly, like this can't be real because they were on the list for the musical episode. Like in what world are they first of all not in prison but also in high enough spirits that they are willing to sign up for a talent contest or whatever. Right. Girl, you know? I wish I knew. So like this can't be real. So yeah, my last question about this before we go into the party is so did Jughead get rid of the tape? Like I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say? Cool. Um hey Sam, could you talk to me a little bit about TV Co? Um sure. It's this cool app where you can watch other people watch the things you like. <laughs> cool. That's true. It is what it is. Tell me more. Um, every week we are there watching the previous week's episode of Riverdale. Cool. Would you like to join us? Uh, me? <laughs> sure. She already joins us. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm always there. Um, but yeah, all you have to do is download the TV Co app and uh, join us every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. PST. We rewatch the previous week's episode. Uh, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, it's actually next Tuesday since there's a hiatus. But all of our previous broadcasts are saved on our profile, so you can go back and watch whichever ones you want. Yeah, so uh, we are on TV Co. There is a link in the description. TV Co. Um, you can search Riverdale by and find us, or you can search The Aficionados and find us. Um, yeah, we would love to have you. It's super, super fun to go live and say hi to everybody. And sometimes people come in with their own theories that we can then discuss, and then we bring them up on the pod. So yeah, we'd love yeah, to have you. Yeah, that's always super fun. Mm-hmm. So for the last five minutes of the episode we have like a whole whole section just on that and we have a somebody who is going to join us um if you listen or go on our tv co like i just said if you check that out um my sister often joins us because she lives with us and um so this is her uh do you want to introduce yourself yeah just like quickly yeah sure okay um I am, my name is Callie Jeffrey, um, I'm 21, I'm a photographer, and I frequently join TV Co. and talk about shows with these lovely people. Oh my god, that's us! (laughs) Hi Callie, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course, it was a pleasure, it was a pleasure. You're welcome. So she's just going to join us for this last bit, um, because she has some theories. We're going to go through some of my notes first, and then we're going to get to the big theories afterwards. So so here is my summary of what happens at the party. Veronica and Archie arrive at the party. Remember how they literally just came from doing it in Archie's bed? Well, now they're going to do it again, in the woods. All right, being sanitary. (laughs) 
<laughs> Come through, sanitary. Jughead puts on Brett's bunny mask and brings a knife. Is he going to stab Brett? Oh. Guess not. In the mask, Jughead approaches Brett, who is dressed as Julius Caesar, you know, who gets stabbed. Mm-hmm. Julius Caesar gets stabbed on the Ides of March, so you're really not going to take the opportunity to stab Julius Caesar on the Ides of March. Okay. Maybe we should all just stab Caesar. Maybe. They go to have their confrontation elsewhere. Or maybe to make out. It's honestly unclear. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. rewatch it, maybe they're going to make out. Things are, like, a little charged. Meanwhile, Betty sees Donna walk away from the party and follows her. She challenges Donna on all of the garbage she's been saying. Donna doesn't back down. She tells Betty that she's been to see Evelyn Evernever at Shankshaw Prison, and she learned the passcode to make Betty go crazy. Tangerine? <laughs> Get with the times, Donna. That was so last year. No, it's a different one. Okay, sure. Sure, whatever. <laughs> so, Veronica and Archie finish with whatever they were doing. I'm frankly uninterested. What? They ask Joan and Jonathan where Betty and Jughead are, and they get sent into the woods. They find Betty standing over dead Jughead with a bloody rock. We've already seen this part. This is definitely part of Jughead's new Baxter Brothers book, right? It has to be. It has to be, right? So first of all, was Jughead planning on stabbing Brett? I hope so. I thought, I think he was threatening Brett. I don't know if he was going to stab him. Like, is that, was that his plan to get the heckin' sex tape back? Yeah, I think he was literally going to, like, threaten his life if he didn't give it to him. Right. It's like, why, but I still don't know why he, why he thinks that he has it on him <laughs> at the party. Yeah. And he like, why at the party? Around. And like, why so obviously? Yeah. Or threaten to give up the location. Of the sex of tape. Of the sex tape. Mm. And maybe all of them because he has a bunch, like a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. Like what if Jughead and Betty did find the supply? Where? I don't know. Mm. And Who's then, to say? And then what? It's just like Jughead said to her, do you trust me? And mm-hmm. so now I'm like, but with what? Yeah. Tell me your secrets. Yeah, because the thing is, when he says that he has a plan, he's talking about getting the sex tape back. He's not talking about, like, rectifying every bad thing that's happened to him this episode. He might be. I mean, maybe, but it, it, it that wasn't clear. Yeah. Sex in the woods. Have y'all ever had a chill time? Ever? Have y'all ever been chill? <laughs> have y'all ever just gone to a party and been at the party? Yeah. If you missed... Uh, me talking about the Ides of March last episode. Basically, the Ides of March is from Julius Caesar. It's a play by William Shakespeare. And what happens in it is that there's a soothsayer or a fortune teller who says, listen, Caesar, you gotta beware the Ides of March, which is March 15th. Mm-hmm. You gotta beware the Ides of March. Something bad's gonna happen. And Julius is like, hey, you're an idiot and I'm not gonna <laughs> listen to you. <laughs> That's exactly how that goes. And then Julius Caesar gets stabbed by his own friends. Yeah. On the Ides of March. Yeah. So don't be a Caesar. <laughs> Listen to people. Listen to your friends. That's why the fact that he's dressed as Caesar and it's the Ides of March and Jughead has a knife and he doesn't get stabbed. Like, <sighs> it just seems so obvious. And then they just like skated right on by. Like, Veronica just recently was talking about how everything is Shakespearean. And so you're gonna really gonna do something so, so Shakespearean and you're not gonna take the opportunity. Okay. What makes you think that he's going to get stabbed by Jughead? Because you just said that he. He gets stabbed by his friends. Mm -hmm. So what if it's not a literal stab, but a metaphorical stab when everything goes crappy for them that his friends stab him in the back? That's possible. Sure, but then it won't be the Ides of March anymore and I'll be upset. Okay. (laughs) Like Jughead has a knife. Stab him on the Ides of March. What do you have? A knife. Oh my god. I really liked actually this moment where Brett said, um... 
lend me your beers. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because Julius Caesar says in the play, lend me your ears. Yeah. And so um, I really like that. Thank you. Give me all the beers you have. Mm-hmm. I think you mean, you thought that I said, give me a lot of beer. But what I said was, give, give me, me all, all the, the beers, beers you have. have. <laughs> so Brett is like, we need to settle this by walking into the woods together. Sure. Sure. What happened here? I, I don't know. You know, when Kevin goes into the woods, mm-hmm. he does some very different things. Hmm. More closely related to what Barchi was up to. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually have a point on that later. Okay. Um. So the hat is important. I remember we were watching last night and when yes. he took off the hat to put on the mask, we were like, he's not wearing the hat. Because the main thing at the end of season three was the fact that they were throwing his hat into the fire. To burn it. So, so the fact that he's not wearing the hat, but then when he takes off the mask to go into the woods with Brett, he puts the hat back on. He puts the hat back on. He puts it back on. So, what? So I guess when Betty kills him, they just take the hat? Yeah, like, we don't know what they did with his body. No! If this is real. Which, which it clearly Which we do not think it is. No. Then they must, like, we don't know what he, what they did with the rest of him. But I did notice, (laughs) I did notice that he's wearing, like, literally my Jughead cosplay. Yes. Like, oh, he's, yeah. like he's literally wearing exactly like what Jughead would wear. He's wearing the S shirt. He's wearing the Southside Serpents jacket. He's wearing the suspenders, which I need. I actually, that's the only thing I don't have my, for my cosplay. Either way, he's wearing like the essentially Jughead outfit. Which How does it feel to be a fashion icon? Ah, uh, it's exhausting. Okay. Um. So Betty watches Jughead walk off. So she watches Jughead walk off. So this must be part of Jughead's plan. Yeah. And so she goes for Donna which is part of the plan? Like, is she trying to, she's supposed to stall Donna? It has to be part of the plan. her or something like that? Um, so Donna says that she went to see Evelyn. And so there was a thing on Twitter that maybe Charles would have known if Donna had gone to see Evelyn. But then it's like, <gasps> oh my God, I freaking forgot about the whole Charles thing. Yeah, but then it's like, okay, but is Charles evil still? So like, we don't know. Like, it's just... There's so many variables, it's hard to know. I literally forgot about all of that. So she says that there's a new passcode to get Betty to, like, do creepy things. Uh, What is the new passcode? Who knows? Probably another fruit. Yeah, I was gonna say, that's why we need to keep an eye on the episode titles. Mm -hmm. So Tangerine makes her hurt herself, right? Because when people hear Tangerine, they're supposed to hurt Betty. Yes. But the other one makes her hurt others, I guess? I guess? So Jonathan and Joan tell Varchi that Bughead went into the woods. And I'm like, guys, didn't you guys just come from the woods? And uh, what yeah, you, yeah, they did. And what were you doing in the woods? If you heard that Bughead walked off into the woods, would you not be worried about fully walking in on them doing whatever you guys were doing in the woods? I'm just saying. I mean, they've all had sex in the same house like multiple times. I don't that's think true. they're worried about that's things true. like that. That's true. So I really loved this moment actually because Jonathan and Joan tell them to go there and then they watch Veronica and Archie walk off and then suddenly Donna and Brett come into the frame and all four of them are standing there. Mm -hmm. And I remember we were all sitting there, like, watching it last night, and every single person in the apartment went, what? All right. And it was like, I mean, I guess it was like, what? All of us were very confused. Because, like, that means that, like, it's just confusing because Brett was with Jughead and Donna was with Betty. So it's like, what happened in between that we didn't see? And I mean, I know that's the question, but like, what? And also in previous flash forwards, they said that they were the ones who saw Betty kill Jughead. So mm-hmm. did they see Betty kill Jughead and then come over here and then Veronica and Archie went over there and then they saw them? Maybe, but Jughead's still doing the narration. I forgot he was still doing the freaking narration. So there's no way he's dead. <sighs> 
All of this is just so yeah. deeply stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, my next note is Callie's text. So Callie has some, uh, uh, some theories. Pop off. I have two. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the Riverdale writers are smart enough for this because you guys, <laughs> you, guys always, you guys always say that. My hero. So, <laughs> it's because we're right. So the first one is, I think that the Riverdale writers wants us to think that Varshi went off into the woods to have sex, mm-hmm. but I feel like they went off to do something that was part of the plan and then <gasps> come back. So then they're doing something off camera to help Jughead or they like went somewhere and like, are the woods like near Stonewall? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, they're like, right behind Stonewall, yes. they said. So does this give them enough time to come to the party, think that they're sneaking off to have sex, go, and then maybe, like, find the tapes or something. Or, like, you know, like, do something and my, then come back. Yeah, my only thing about that was just that Veronica and Archie didn't see Jughead at all before then. So it's like, when would they have gotten, like, when would they have learned what the plan was? They literally just walk right up to Betty and Betty's just like, hey. Yeah, but I feel like, like, maybe they would have, like, texted or called about it, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And then my second one is that um, we don't know where the bunny mask ended up. That's true. We don't know where the bunny mm-hmm. mask yeah. is. We know where his hat is but we don't know where the bunny oh yeah oh we do where um we see him when he takes it when he takes it off to go walk into mm-hmm. Brett. we see him throw it on the ground okay. but but we haven't seen that be found or anything okay yeah. my whole thing is that like did jughead put it on put the mask on at the party so then there would be witnesses to like specifically say oh yeah i saw jughead wear this bunny mask that's possible so then people know that it's him and then the bunny mask will be found somewhere incriminating mm-hmm. and then they already have witnesses saying that Jughead was in position of this mask. That's really possible. In the possession of the mask because you what you think he's trying to frame Brett or frame Brett or somehow kind of put the idea that Brett or Donna or someone did something you know if the bunny mask was either found at the scene or Jughead was wearing it or somehow to tie something to someone. Either way. I don't yeah. understand the relevance of the bunny mask, so I'm just trying to figure out. Right, yeah. What why it did could Jughead be. put on the bunny mask? Yeah. The right. fun thing about the especially, bunny mask is that there really is no relevance. <laughs> and like, especially since he took it off again. Yeah. So, like, what was the point? It's Dylan over if, there. If he hadn't. <laughs> If he hadn't taken off the bunny mask and we had we hadn't seen that it was Jughead, I mean he was like kind of silhouetted, but like it was pretty clearly Cole, right? Yes. If we hadn't seen that it was Jughead, like somebody put on like Jughead's perfect outfit and yeah. then put on the mask and didn't say anything, I would have been like, okay, so that's not Jughead. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, but he, they but showed us that it was yeah. Jughead. Like, there are so many opportunities <laughs> for them to, like, sow seeds, but they don't take it. They always, like, they always mess up their opportunities. You know what I mean? But that's, like, Classic so... Riverdale. That, yeah, exactly. That's so Riverdale. They're yeah. like, oh, an opportunity? Y'all mind if we just skirt right past it? Blow by that? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. I'm excited to... We'll talk about the trailer. Yeah. Uh, and uh, figure out some more stuff, maybe. I definitely think that Callie's onto something, though. Yeah. yeah. This is, like, this is was the time to have a hiatus, though. For yes. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And right. I don't I don't think that there's another trigger word. I think... Oh, you oh, don't? You I think don't. it's just tangerine? 
I think I think either Betty already knew or like they already went to Evelyn or Evelyn made some shit up because we know that he's not dead, you know? Well, we don't know so that, but we're like pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's yeah. not dead. He's doing the narration. So <laughs> and he has some sort of plan, you know, like, oh, yeah. trust me. So I feel like there's something with that that, like, like Betty kind of seems scared, but I thought that she was just going to be like, yeah. No. Yeah, like, maybe she's scared of something else. Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. I thought yeah. that maybe she was, like, trying to stall or distract Donna yeah. from something. But then it's clear that, like, Donna wanted Betty to follow her. So, I don't know. It's just, like, everybody thinks that they have the upper hand. And, like, I don't know who actually does have the upper exactly. hand. Exactly. Yeah. See, my first thought that came to mind was a Zootopia situation kind of thing. Like, the bad guy thinks she has, like the evil blue things, but yeah. actually it's blueberries and then they have like a whole show about it and then mm -hmm. they're like, JK, you know? So I feel like, like God, that was the first thing that came to mind okay. was that kind of sort of situation. Switch your okay. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. All right. I'm, I'm going to go unpopular opinion and say that I think Jughead's actually dead. <laughs> I will bravely be wrong. Just to just to just cover to, all the bases. Just to yeah. So exactly. if, if Jughead is dead, Sam was right. <laughs> Your hero. Sam Mama. didn't think she was he was dead the whole season, but now she says he's dead just to be right if it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, should we move on to segments? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Do you want to stay for segments or do you want to go? I'll go. Okay. Um, thank you for coming in and talking to us about this. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Would you like to tell everybody where they can follow you? You can follow me at Kelly and Jeffrey. That's C-A-L-L-I-E-N-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y on Twitter. Um, I don't really understand what's going on on there. <laughs> um, or you can follow me at Kelly Nicole Photo on Instagram, where I actually do know what I'm doing. <laughs> nice. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I hope that one of your, one or more of your theories happen. Thank you. I find that if you just keep shouting them out, just saying random things, one of them has to be real. Exactly. All right. An intellectual. And now it's time for segments. My first segment is a sexual jughead question mark, question mark, question mark. And the answer is yes, always yes. I don't care. Even if he has a sex tape, I don't care. Good, good. And my segment is which MILF was the most badass and... Uh, is there a MILF in this episode? You can say Laura. I'm, I refuse to give it to Hermione. Laura's the she, one who is behind the bar at the Maple Club and she's been, she like's been working at the Maple Club since last season. Sure. Sure. She's the one who gives Veronica a little note. Okay. Sure. The bar is on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I would give it to Hermione, but she does bad things. Yeah. yeah. And my segment is did the snake parents acknowledge their obvious history? No. Alice wasn't here. No, I'm tired. Boo. I am starving. Give me my right. Give me a bread grub. And now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Veronica and Archie for... It's B. She's inviting us to a Stonewall prep party. <sighs> you want to go? Seriously? Those people suck. It's what they deserve. They suck. Yeah. She, they do suck. Right. He's right. He's right and he should say it. Archie's a good boy. Mm -hmm. And mine goes to Cheryl for... How dare you try and seduce my dear TT like she's some backwater fool. I just like Shoni, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And mine goes to Veronica for... Happy Friday, you soul-sucking vampires. <laughs> I do think that's pretty goddamn. I also liked the line that happened right after that, wherein she was just like, well, uh, before you crawl back into your coffins for the day, let me talk to you. Right. Okay, that was pretty quality. That was pretty quality. All right, so now it's time for our trailer reaction. Now, the uh, Brittany, can you talk about the whole trailer situation? Yeah, this was weird. We watched the episode, and there 
was no trailer at the end. At yeah. the end. So we, I was just on Twitter and our friend Gabby uh, posted the trailer that we did not think existed. So we're kind of confused as to where this trailer came from, but um, Slash why it didn't play after the episode last night. Precisely. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to roll with it, you know? All right. So the blurb for the episode, I have not seen the blurb, so I'm excited about this. Okay. Um, uh, the aftermath. When a night in the woods goes horribly awry, no kidding, Betty, Archie, and Veronica are forced to confront with what one of them may be capable of. Cool Sprouse, Marisol, Nichols, Machen, Mark, Casey, Skeet also star. So both Machen and Skeet, but also that's literally all they said about the whole episode. They're keeping this real under wraps and we all know it. I mean, like, fair enough, but give me details. Yeah. I've only watched this once on a very small screen, so I'm kind of excited. Nice. Because I don't feel like I got the scope of it. Same. All right, here we go. Three, two, one, play. Is that blood on your bra? I think. Why, I, okay. Is that blood on your bra? I'm like, we need to know the Also, truth. is this still the party? And then, why is Archie beating a brat? Yeah. I'm just You're very here for whatever Alice is wearing. And like, how how dare Brett have the audacity to be upset about Jughead's quote unquote death? Yeah, seriously. Right. So um, we get the shot where they are standing in their underwear from the season three finale. Is that blood on your bra? Whatever Alice is wearing, uh, like you said, I support it. it yeah, mm-hmm. it looks like a uh, lingerie or something. It's really so lovely. So hope she and FP are having a good time. Yeah. Like, oh my God, this implies that Betty full on just walked home in, in her, her underwear. underwear. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like, didn't even think to call for a ride. Or, like, I guess maybe, like, Archie took the jalopy or the truck or whatever to them. So, like, he, like, drove them home. But either way, she's walking in the house in her underwear. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Like, Alice has literally killed for her kids. Yeah. So, I think it would be okay to call your mom and be like, I murdered my boyfriend. We killed someone again. Either way, Betty makes it upstairs because we have this shot of her making it upstairs. And um, she says that she thinks she blacked out. Although it is a little hard to be like, hey, mom, I murdered my boyfriend who also happens to be your boyfriend's son. Yeah. Ooh, good point. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know who Betty is talking to in this scene, so. It looks like it's at the register, or not the register, the blue and the gold. The blue and gold, yeah. so she, it must be, it's definitely past her week-long suspension because this whole episode was a full week, so. Um, so we have these, we've got like these lanterns. Um, not really sure what that's about. I thought that was just at the party. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. It would have been. Okay. Uh, okay. So now they're, okay. So this is the search party that we were, lo- that we, uh. That FP's in. Yes. yes. That, that has been here before. Yes. Like, uh, the flash forward, we've had a search party. Yes. Um, but I think Betty was at the search party, if I remember correctly, in that flash forward. So she's clearly, like, trying to cover, cover it up. Tracks, yes. And as well, she's at the coroner's office, right? Yeah. Um, with FP to identify the body, so. Um, Veronica talks about the truth, and she's talking to Archie. Obviously, that little blurry head over there, that's definitely Archie. She's, like, concerning. <laughs> that's our boy, that little blurry head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, blurry head. What the heck? So, Archie comes to Brett and Jughead's, well, I guess just Brett's dorm, and he tries to get in, and actually, if you look, there's a sign right beside it, like, you know how, um, jo- uh, dorm boards, yeah. yeah, there's, like, a little board, and it says, bring a jug, get a head, bring a, bring a jug, get a head, okay, uh, oh, like, jug head, yeah, but, like, what, <laughs> that's just weird, um, so, Brett doesn't want to let him in, but Archie gets in anyway, and Brett falls to the ground, oh, wow, that sure is satisfying, like I said earlier, um, this, 
like I think just a few episodes ago, it's really um, fun to watch Jughead or Archie beat up Brett because Brett is like the picture of negativity right now. Yeah. And Archie is like a beacon for good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why it's so much fun to watch Archie beat up Brett. It's just nice to watch him get dunked on, you know? Yeah. So um, he says, admit it to Brett. And smashes his head on the desk. And he says that Brett killed Jughead. What does that mean? I don't know, but I kind of believe it because clearly it was Brett's, like, plot or something. Right. Then we get a shot of them throwing his hat into the fire, which we have seen uh, many, many episodes ago. Um, and then we get a the shot of Betty holding, like, the bloody rock. And um, Brett says that we all know who killed Jughead. It was Betty. I mean, That's it. We they're do, we they're keeping it so under wraps. This is a 30... At the, well, actually, like, half of it is, is, like, the promo at the end. So it's really only... Yeah. It's a 15-second promo, and most of it is Brett being beaten up. Like, it's usually like that. Yeah, so... Um, um, clearly they're keeping this episode super under wraps. I understand why, and I look forward to figuring out why Jughead isn't dead, or, if you believe Sam, <laughs> totally dead. is dead. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, like, I, at this point, I hope that Jughead isn't dead, but if he is, I've gone through such an ordeal that I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know? Yeah. And then and then and then at this point I will finally have to I will finally know peace. I was just about to say that. I will finally have to retire the asexual jughead segment. Because he'll just be dead. Because he'll just be dead. Yeah. And then I'll have to pick somebody else who can be ace. I don't know who I'm gonna pick because everybody's always doing it. They're all horn dogs, so but good luck with who that. Knows. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on iTunes. We like those, and we also have a survey. Um, it's perpetually open. It's in the description, and we'd love to hear some things that you like about the show, and even some things that you think we could work on, because we're always trying to be better. And um, even if you don't feel like writing a whole review on iTunes, just using those little stars is great, because it helps us get closer up in the um, search results. So if somebody looks for a Riverdale podcast, like we said, there are so many Riverdale podcasts, it gets us higher up there. Um, and so we would love that. Thanks, guys. If you're a fan of The 100, you'd like to talk about that show, too. We've covered seasons 4, 5, and 6, and we're about to cover the last one, which is season 7. Mm. If you're a fan of Lost, you'd like to talk about that show, too. Um, we did all of season 1, and we are almost to the end of season 2. Those are being released monthly, um, and they are spoiler-free. We have a spoiler section at the end for people who have seen the whole series, but if you're watching it for the first time with us, um, that's so fun. Yeah, and we would love to have you over there. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show, too. Uh, we've done season one, and we are currently doing season two all throughout this year, every six weeks. Uh, and then we'll do season three next year, and then hopefully season four will have arrived, and we can finally know what happened to Hopper. Yay! Yay! And if you are so inclined, please join us on our Picard pod. Um, we do have a Star Trek Picard pod. We are currently, uh, we are on episode five now. We're Woo-hoo. cutting up to episode five, and um, that's halfway through the season. So come join us, get caught up, join the Star Trek family. Um, Robin is new here, so she will be your gateway in if you've never seen it. Yeah, I'm your person to relate to if you're confused. Yeah. <laughs> you can join us every Tuesday on the TV Co. app at 7 p.m. PST. And also, like we said, it's live. And if you missed any of our broadcasts, they are all saved on our profile. So you can check that out. Um, there's a link in the description for the TV Co. app as well. You can follow the aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Rebel YouTube, mostly Twitter. Robin makes gifts of her favorite line of words on Tumblr. Um, so yeah, go uh, support those. Please. Please. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because it's really expensive. 
Honestly, we have five podcasts now and they are each around $200 a year. And um, this is around when they start to tick over and oh God, please help. Yeah, <laughs> this our, is a cry for help. Yeah, our Picard podcast truly would not be possible without our Patreon supporters. Um, and we truly appreciate every single one of you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you can't donate, that's totally okay. The next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend because then we get more people listening and um, maybe they can help us on Patreon. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, that's S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S, and I mostly just yell about Star Trek. It's true, she does. Also, same. I also write reviews at TelltaleTV.com, which you can check out in the link in the description. Join us for our next episode, which is 414, How to Get Away with Murder. In one of the rare TV show titles, mm-hmm. rather than um, movie titles, yes. How to Get Away with Murder is an American legal thriller television series that premiered on ABC on September 25th, 2014. Viola Davis stars as Annalise Keating, a law professor at a prestigious Philadelphia university who, with five of her students, becomes entwined in a murder plot. Uh, Viola Davis was the first black woman to win the Emmy for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Drama Series for this um, show. Well deserved. Uh, this is one of the only times that I've actually seen something that is being referenced yeah, in the title. Yeah. Um, I only watched half of season one, but, uh, so oops. I watched all of season one. Agreed, season one slapped. I. Yeah, season one was really good, and then I just didn't pick it back up again. Mm. I should've, but I didn't. Yeah. But, I mean, maybe we'll go back. Yeah. Who's, who's, who's to say? But, um, yeah, that's, uh, after a hiatus, which you would know, because this episode's coming out later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. And waiting for the musical episode. Yeah, basically. Almost always. Yeah. We're just sitting around waiting for the musical episode. Yeah. yeah. Finally, some answers soon. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.